Hello, everybody. Born Funny episode four. Here we are. You've made it this far. Good on I you. I mean, they don't have to, again, they, 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 no, but we encourage everybody to No, go we back. do, but I'm mm. just saying, it, just because. Yeah, you could easily click on episode just four. Just listen to this. Like if Jen Fricker, who mm. the episode is, sorry, spoilers. <gasps> don't give it away. <laughs> it may say it on the title. If Jen Fricker shares this mm. and people she knows go, oh, I want to listen to that episode, they may not have listened to Luke McGregor, sure. Matt O'Kine, David Hughes. A good um, plugging of those two. Uh, Smooth. <laughs> See, what I did there was I was like, you, you just got it in there, didn't you? Yeah. Slid you it in. Mm. Slid, <laughs> slid it in like we're sliding in your ears right now. I don't think any of that is okay, and I don't think Jed would be okay. Well, you know, one thing we can't do on podcast is edit anything out. Because <laughs> this is live. I think the word <laughs> is in this. Yes. Um, I've got a, like a, a rundown of everything we spoke about. Mm. Um, and yeah. Well, that's what happens. Because we can't, we can't say that in, in, the, in the radio stuff. No. The comedians, I, mate. I don't know. know if we can say to this. I don't know. Well, you might. That might have been beeped out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that would have went beep, 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 beep. Producer beep. Kate laughing outside. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, do you? Uh, yeah, you everyone, you loves little that. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, uh, I would like uh, to talk about Jen if I can. Yeah, you can, mate. She's um, phenomenal. Uh, she is. And I, I do consider her a friend. I don't know if that feeling is reciprocated. I hope so. She's the only one we didn't have to go through a manager to get her on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. And she, she came in, sat in studio, and she's just an absolute delight. Um, her story is, is incredible. She gets very um, open, honest. And some real, uh, some very real moments mm. uh, that she was confronted with her whole life. And uh, it's... Losing a friend and, yeah. You hear, you hear the stories that she tells and you're like, how has funny entered your life? <laughs> <laughs> and and Nath means that in a, like as a compliment. Honestly, honestly, because she's one of the funniest people that I know. She's but like when you classically hear this, trained musician, yeah, who it, was just oh god. I just remember go, like because we did this chat a mm. few months ago now. Yeah, 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 a couple of months ago, February twenty mm. third of February, we yeah. had this chat. There you got go, in front of me. Mm. Um, and I just remember in the chat, like for the first, you'll hear it, just being like, "Where's the funny?" Yeah, <laughs> like. She's funny, but mm. her life story about this, yeah. Yeah, anyway. so uh, it's very, very interesting. Uh, it's also incredibly hilarious. Uh, she's very funny, Jen Fricker. Uh, go and watch any of her shows as well. I wish I had them in front of me, but. Her shows? Or yeah, like... well, she, she does stand-up shows all the time. Yeah, yeah follow her on the socials. She'll post follow on the social. stuff, She'll, yeah. yeah, but anyway. Go watch her do comedy. Yeah, she's very good. Listen to this first, and then, no, listen to this while you're at her comedy. And she'd be like, have you got loud. headphones in? And I was like, yeah, but it's you. I'm listening to funny. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Ah, funny people. An odd bunch, really. Not your usual folk. They've been making us knee slaps since the ancient Greeks. But what makes these real-life jesters tick? Perhaps today we should ask this person. Hi, I'm Jen Fricker. Tell me, were you born funny? No, absolutely not. I was a Victorian child. I just stayed in bed all day like the kid in Secret Garden. (laughs) You meant someone from Victoria. <laughs> from the Victorian era. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, She's a lady of history. Yeah. <laughs> Seen but not heard. I stay in my attic and I watch the children play. Nath, please get the round of applause ready for an Australian stand-up comedian, writer, actor, radio presenter, the list goes on and on. You may have heard her on Triple J or seen her on Have You Been Paying Attention, The Project, Spicks and Specs, Cheap Seats. Again, the, the list goes on. The Herald Sun described her as genius, hilariously, unapologetically weird. The Daily Telegraph said unmissable. The Age said hilariously dark. <laughs> Vogue Australia said one to watch. And they said, I like her. Please welcome to the show, Jen Fricker. Do you ever read? Do you ever read reviews of your shows or anything? Or you can oh, be I used to. I used to read them a lot, and you know, and it's deeply unhealthy, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and do I know like the names of reviewers who have said terrible things about me? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember like one of my first Melbourne Comedy Festival seasons, and you're so tender. You don't know what you're doing, and it's like thirty nights in a row or whatever. Um, this woman came and reviewed my show and said I just spent too much time playing with my fringe. At the time, I had a fringe. Okay. She's like, oh, very glamorous fringe, but yet, like, no focus on the show. And that was 12 years ago. 
<laughs> and you've never had a fringe since. And I've since. never had a fringe, but I also have never forgotten that. And I'm like, and now I'm like, if I ever see her again, like, I'm just like, I'm so. Are they, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's probably a good thing. I don't know many comedy reviewers. Mm. Uh, are they comics themselves or like what Almost are they? never. Okay. Almost never. And there, there has been a huge controversy around like the festivals because basically uh, in Melbourne, this newspaper sponsors the uh, all the shows. And so it means every single show has to be reviewed. Mm. But of course, the newspaper doesn't have that many like reviewers of live comedy. Yeah. So sometimes you'll get like the cars guide guy coming to your show. <laughs> And then he'll be like, well, I didn't find it funny, but the rest of the audience did. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, take yeah. a hint then. Yeah. Like, you know? I didn't reverse my Mustang out and rev it for yeah, you, yeah, so yeah. I'm sorry I'm you didn't so enjoy it. I'm so sorry I'm not a f- Ford. <laughs> <laughs> um, Would have rated you so highly. <laughs> oh, four wheels. I honestly, when we brought Jen in, I thought she was a Ford. Yeah. I thought she was. So. Well, it's because when I came in, I came in uh, reversing and beeping. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah anyway, just good. quickly, uh, this podcast brought to you by Cars Guide Australia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It is kind of this brutal thing where you're like, you put your life on hold for however many months touring and, you know, being away from your family and your friends and you spend like thousands and thousands of dollars, like, you know, on just the costs of being in another city and performing and flights and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then it's like the person who writes cupcake recipes on the weekend (laughs) is like, I found it a bit Cold in the theatre, actually. The air con was a bit much. Like, legitimately, there have been reviews where someone complains about the air con. In the th- and it's like, <sighs> and that's it comes literally- out of your score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like-, like, three and a half. And you're just like, what? <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to go listen to this podcast and go into reviews. You're going to see a review from Jen Fricker, and yeah. she's just going to be like, Jimmy and A's podcast studio, very cold. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cold, actually. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> three and a half. Star off for that. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Jen, speaking of family and stuff, you've just got back. You're over in New Zealand. You yes. got, have you got... Friends and family over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, my mum uh, is Maori, lives in Auckland. Um, it's actually kind of a crazy story. Yeah, I don't know. Again, this is my. Well, if there's th- anywhere to tell it, I mean, yeah. hey, yeah. we got time. Well, okay. So basically, uh, I went over to Christchurch, New Zealand, which is not where my family is from, really, uh, because I was meeting my niece for the first time, oh. and she's 28 years old. I've never met her before um, because my my half brother uh, had didn't know that he had a kid and then oh. he died when I was quite young. Oh my God. Yeah. So we didn't know she existed for like a few years. And then through Facebook of all things, like came and met her and went to a kid's birthday party. Was she and looking was... for a family? Yeah. yeah. Basically. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So we went over and um, it was a really weird time, honestly, man. Like we went over and then her, she picked us up from the airport. She looks exactly like my brother, which yeah. was like crazy. Yeah. Picked us off from the airport, dropped us off the next day, and then her mum died. Oh, my God. That Literally the next day. So then we went to her kid's birthday party because she didn't want to call off the kid's birthday party to, because she didn't want her kids to be upset. Yeah. And then the next day had to go into our, like, Maori funeral practices. So it's like the body lies in state for a week and you kind of just, like, play music they like and everyone, like, comes and hangs out and spends time with the person who's crossed over. And Yeah. Yeah, it was very intense. Wow. Yeah, but it just kind of – it was so funny because – it was a very last minute thing that we were just like, yeah, we'll just go over. And then the cyclones hit in the north. Then we were going to go visit family and we couldn't. And then Christchurch, though, not great. Yeah, no, I, I, honestly, I've never been to Christchurch before. Yeah. Big, uh, Sounds like you're about to give a review, though. <laughs> Well, it's too cold. Yeah, too cold, air conditioning bad, three and a half stars. Can I, um, can I ask, yeah. you know, during, you know, you're just talking about your, so it's your niece's mother who, who passed away. Yeah. Moments of your life that there are tragedy and stuff like that, do you lean on humor? Are you someone, Absolutely. are you trying to make people laugh? And Yes. Yeah. I will say it was a very, because I always find that, you know, like a lot of comedians, Life is so unbearably dark and brutal sometimes that f- my instinct is always to, like, find the funny, weird yeah. thing in yeah. the middle of that. And, like, for instance, obviously it's very sad that someone has died um, and I'm at this kid's birthday party and it's a very weird, you know, vibe, obviously, mm, yeah. because it's... Do the kids that, know? The kids kind of know, but they're, yeah. they're pretty young. young they're, like, yeah. three, four. Okay. So, they're, they've you know, they know that their nanny is gone, but they don't really know where. Yeah. And so, the kids are, like, running around this Nerf playground thing that they've, like, constructed, which was sick for them. I mean, didn't get invited to play, but fine. <laughs> it was a height where you couldn't be yeah, at all. Like, yeah. you, you must be below the, the yeah, You can lean over the fence. Just... Put my shoes on my knees. I'm like, hello. <laughs> 
Um, it was very funny because I, I don't have a child. Um, a lot of my niece's friends do. And so that was kind of the main talking point other than like the dead person. Yeah. Uh, and so this woman came over to me and uh, she's like trying to make conversation. She's like, so do you have any kids? And I was like, oh, no, actually. And she was like, okay. And then just got up and walked oh, away. Oh, she walked away? <laughs> Oh my I was God. just like, amazing. Honestly, yeah. I respect the re- like to just be like, I have nothing for you. <laughs> Should have put kids. Yeah, Should've Should've pointed, and you don't have anything. <laughs> Should have pointed to one of the kids on the jungle gym going, yeah, that one. That one. That's She's mine. like, that's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shit. So kids, let's go back to you as a child. Talk yes. us about growing up. Talk us about your childhood. Were you, were you a funny child? Um, No, absolutely not. I was a weird, quiet child, you yeah. know? A child that came, really, I feel like comedy could have gone, it could have really gone two ways where I could have been like a school shooter or a comedian. Because it was really one of those things where people would have been like, yeah, very quiet, kept to herself, didn't really hang out that much. Yeah. I don't know, listen to weird music. Um, writing a manifesto. Yeah. yeah. So where, where did you grow a up? A lot of writing, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, grew up in Sydney yep. um, on the northern beaches. Uh, I'm like an ex-surfer kid, honestly. I used to surf wow. and skate, which people are very like surprised by. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I remember really distinctly like being at preschool and I'd bring a book to read to preschool and then I would sit by myself and just (laughs) read at preschool. And, and I was like, I don't know, just classic advanced for their age special kid where like adults loved me, children did not. Do you think, I mean, fast forward all those years, Mm. uh, obviously now you're in the comedy scene, you do TV stuff. It couldn't be more of the opposite. Mm. Is there still that part of you that exists? It's funny, like I like comedy, but I find it very lonely at times because just like the lifestyle is very lonely because you can collaborate with people, obviously, but ultimately like you're performing by yourself, you're writing by yourself, you're traveling by yourself, you're staying by yourself. So for me, that makes me very lonely. But on the flip side, like I feel like I'm an introvert at heart. Yeah. So like I can only take very limited interactions and then I retreat for the day. Yeah. And like I've just moved in with my boyfriend and he has a dog. Even just getting used to like another being in the house while I'm there, I'm like, what? What? I keep just asking her if she's mad at me. I'm like, are you mad at me? Like, why are you here? Why are you looking at me that she'll like sigh and just like shift suddenly? And I'm just like, are you mad? Like, I'm sorry. So, okay, back to being kid then. You're You're not a funny kid. You're very insular. Was there a... Quiet reader. When did comedy come into your life? Honestly, not until uni. Basically, I grew up as like a very like gifted and talented child. Sure. And like, you did well at school? Yeah, really well yeah. at school. Um, Naturally or you really worked at it? Um, or a bit of both? I think just because I liked being by myself. Yeah. I liked, um, I enjoyed homework. It gave yeah. me like... <laughs> Something to do, like to be at home and like I'd be on the train home and I'd have completed my homework and I felt great. Like it's just weird. Th- I don't know. I'm sure it's not weird to enjoy school, but I just really did. And yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed like people telling me I was great, which who wouldn't, yeah. I guess. Well, it's interesting Positive because, because mm. uh, I feel like the, the common misconception about comedians is, ah, oh, they were funny all through school. They no. didn't really give a shit about it. You know what I mean? Cracking jokes at the back of the classroom. That's what people think uh, creates a comedy. But mm, it's not the case. Sh- they should do a podcast on that. They should. They should. Yeah, they were really born should. Funny, are they? Yeah. Oh, shit they name, have no. Shit name. Two <laughs> hosts, I guess. They yeah. should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Who aren't funny? Because <laughs> they're trying to figure That's it why out. We bring is them it in. Too, is it too late? Can we figure this <laughs> out? Give us the keys, <laughs> Jen Fricker. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you're, you're, yeah, we'll talk to high school and uni. What, like, what were you thinking? What was your thought process there? What did you want to do? So I, for a really long time growing up, I wanted to be like a, a screenwriter or a playwright. Mm. Um, and I took that very seriously. And I didn't enjoy comedy <laughs> and these frivolous little jokes <laughs> that people would make. And I, I was just super intense. Um, but I also played music as well. And I, I'm actually a classically trained double bassist. Yeah, I read this. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So yeah. I... I, I, in high school, I'm, I got moved to a classical music high school. I'd get up at like 6 a.m. every day. I'd get to school at 7. I'd practice for an hour before school and then, or an hour and a half, whatever. Then, um, you know, do my regular classes. Then I'd practice for 20 minutes recess rather. And then I would, you know, we'd have our musical studies in the middle of the day. Then I'd practice for half an hour at lunch. Then I would do the rest of my classes. And then after school, I would do like an hour of practice. And then I would go to orchestra practice, which is two hours, and that would take me up to, like, eight o'clock, so I'd be home by nine. Jesus. And, were, like... Were these, like, were they telling you how to practice this much, or you were doing this because you well, wanted to be... it's, like, one of those things... I've talked to, like, 
elite um, like athletes who've been through like school systems like that. And it's just this thing where from the get go, they're like, you, everyone here is your competition and you have to be better than all of them. Yeah. And the way you do that is by like in sport training and in like music practicing, like learning that kind of thing and, and just being, and it all being in your muscle memory. I think also because like music, the you know, playing a double bass, it's so massive um, that like oftentimes conductors, I remember that I used to work with this insane Russian conductor and I auditioned for his orchestra and he watched my audition and he was like, you are puny girl. <laughs> the instrument you play is for a big, strong man. And he was like, you must swim every day of the summer if you want to play in my orchestra because right now you are not strong enough. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. okay. And yeah. I did it. And like my parents, I guess because they were happy I wasn't like on the street doing drugs. So like, that's cool. Like, so does that mean you had so you to swim every day? I every swam day. every day. So, because I could get stronger in my body and therefore I could play. And then, like, you know, uh, I wanted to practice more, but my fingers would bleed. So I'd put them in methylated spirits. So my fingers would harden up and stop bleeding. Like, I was just so intense. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I'm assuming then you've got like a real competitive streak to yourself. I mean, if you're there with all these other people and you're like, you've been told you've got to be better than them. Yeah. Has that existed your entire life to be competitive? Um, yes. I think it came out in my early childhood as passive aggression and then just turned into aggression. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I watched the, that Netflix documentary, The Last Dance, where Michael Jordan says yeah. like, he had to invent rivalries with people and insults with people in order to motivate him. And I think for me, that was like, well, all these people think I'm a joke. So I'm going <laughs> to show them by being at school earlier and practicing longer and playing in more orchestras and like that kind of thing. And so I was just like always very extreme. Was it, I mean, outside of that Russian guy, were, mm. were you, was anyone else giving you anything or you were inventing this? Everyone else was quite, I don't know, supportive and encouraging. Uh, no, I would say no one. Uh, well, again, it's just like classical music school or like those elite performing arts school it's constantly like you're not good enough like from yeah. the and like they used to every week in the double bass department it's, it's double so funny bass the double bass <laughs> department is this the singular bass department <laughs> so just oh, my, my double pass, bass next door my pass yeah. isn't working to the yeah. singular bass department I was department. slapping a bass down slapping the a bass department <laughs> And this is double bass taken seriously. Double, yeah. But yeah, like that's a thing. Like it's so funny in hindsight now because it's yeah. such a silly thing. Like, But it's in like, the moment, you're like, this is my everything. This is my everything and I have to – and it gives you purpose, you know. It takes away like you having to be a person because you can just be like your output, yeah. which is a really messed up thing that I've had to really deprogram myself from. But at the time, when you're 16, you don't know who you are. You're like, well, this gives me an identity. Like yeah. this is who yeah. I am. So, like, yeah, every week in the double bass department, <laughs> they would put up a list of every single double bass player from year seven to postgraduate. And, like, people in postgraduate program are, like, playing in actual symphony orchestras or, like, touring the world or whatever. Mm, yep. And every week they would put up a ranking of every single double bass player in the university Jeez. slash high school. And I was always at the bottom because I was the youngest and, like, yeah, I wasn't yeah. a... 35-year-old man playing in the Vienna Philharmonic or whatever. Yeah. But you see your name at the bottom of the list every single week and you throw so much of your energy into becoming better that you just kind of get in this mindset of like, everyone else is a flame I have to extinguish. Like yeah, it was yeah, yeah. just <laughs> so, so, so you... and, and I'm really, I haven't really said a lot of this stuff out loud. <laughs> and now I'm thinking like, yeah, I made a joke about being a school shooter, but honestly, like... It really could have been yeah. like channeled the wrong way, quite a destructive so, force. So was that you you're this classic musical high school, is yeah. that the plan? Finish and continue to it? Or do you Yeah. Is so, it like a uni or something you go to for music people? Yeah. Sorry, mate, I've not music people. How, yeah, music people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how dare you not know the inner workings of the classical music you're academia just, yeah. route? Uh, it's on page seventy two of Jen Fricker. Oh, I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't yeah. read the whole Jen Fricker. <laughs> Gosh. I skipped over double bass to <laughs> Um yeah, I mean, because that was just what everyone was doing. Like, my first boyfriend was scouted by Yo-Yo Ma, who's, like, a very famous oh, cellist. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got his up and downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Oh my god. That shit. <laughs> you can't cut that. If you cut that out, you're a coward. Uh, pro- producer Grace is out there going, that's staying in. Yeah. <laughs> She's written a timestamp. <laughs> Let it in the video. It'd be great. But yeah, so like my first boyfriend in high school was scouted by Yo-Yo Ma and basically left school at 16 to become like an international cellist, like uh, wow. virtuoso, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was just the thing. So like everyone, it was just expected we would all stay together and just play in various orchestras across the world. So like I didn't go on schoolies. Like I spent my entire summer practicing every day for about wow. four or five hours, which wasn't a lot, honestly. Like four hours a day There's practicing no, yeah, no. is like, I don't know. Yeah. I can play for me, more PlayStation like, in a day now. <laughs> totally. Right? Yeah. That's just one session of TikTok. But yeah. back then, in <laughs> the olden days. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And so I, I trained every single day. I auditioned. I auditioned for a bunch of orchestras, got in, um, and then did about six months. And then ha- you'll be so surprised to hear, had a massive nervous breakdown. <laughs> ah. I, honestly, I'm waiting for it to erupt here. Yeah. 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 yeah so I got to uni. If to anything, do music? Yeah, to yeah. do music. And um, and also I'd taken a lot of uni courses during high school, during HSC, because there was a lot of crossover. So yeah. I was already kind of at like a certain level, which I think normally it put me in a lot more pressure, I guess. And then I was also trying to date and be a human being and also like working a cafe job and I was about to say, yeah, I know you're young still, but are you getting paid for any of the work you're doing? No. No, no, no. And like, that's pretty common with creative industries. It's like, you just work for free until one day, hopefully someone will pay you. So I was working a cafe job to like pay my rent. So I'd get up at four, work a cafe job till nine and then go into uni and then be there till nine or 10 o'clock at night. And it, it just wasn't sustainable. And I think now there's definitely more of a conversation about like how to look after yourself and like work balance. But at that point, and I don't think it's really changed that much, no one's ever going to tell you to stop. Yeah. No one's ever going to be like, yeah, you should work less hard on trying to achieve your dream. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole system is like, yeah, like be brutal, like keep going. Like, you know, like the movie Whiplash, I can't mm. watch it because it's too real to me. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it's just like I can't get through it because I get like, flashbacks of things people have said to me or like situations I've been in where it's like you just like I don't know I used to sit in a practice room and just cry playing like double bass because my hands Fingers would be are bleeding. Yeah, yeah like oh. I've messed up my spine like my spine's all like it grew in a weird way because I was like hunched yeah and of course these are your years where your body is growing yeah so and if you're I guess going through it. changes, finding hair. Yeah. You never had hair yeah. before. Wow. Feeling funny, feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so is is your whole world at this time mm. in this like environment? Like, do you have any friends or anyone outside of this? Um, yeah, I had friends, but they were also musicians. Mm. Yeah, so everyone's really intense then around yeah. you. Yeah, and because everyone's really intense, you don't realize that everyone's really intense. Yeah. You're like, this is normal. Like um, when you tell them about the double bass department, no one's laughing. Yeah, no, no. Just, they're really just like, yeah, that's classic double bass department. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you tell no, us no. Like, that's that's stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah, and you're right to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so this is so intense. I mean, mm. your words so intense. Mm. When does when do you find when stuff you have funny? The breakdown? When it, yeah, when does the breakdown <laughs> when happen? When does it all come apart? And yeah. when does when does comedy come in? Like, where, how how do you have room to fit comedy in with everything else? So basically, what happens is. I have a nervous breakdown and just bomb out of uni. And it was like very, I don't know, the way I grew up as well, like parts of my family are very academic. Like a lot of them are like uni professors or whatever. Oh, wow. And so the idea of like f- bombing out of uni was such a huge deal. Mm. And in again, in hindsight now, I realize like it's not. Like no. everyone has their own path, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But at the time I felt like such a failure. And also because I'd created my entire identity about what I did, I didn't know who I was. So I'm like 18, 19, like bumming around Sydney, sleeping on my parents' couch because I'd had to move back into their house. And then I just like decided to change over to the main campus of Sydney Uni and just did like an arts degree, like every like clueless. Being there. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, well, and you know what? You should. Yeah. Like that's for finding out what you like. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like I just grew up in this environment where it was like from the get go, you have to be this. I remember I was in my first, I was doing psychology at the time, which is crazy. Cause like I'm normal. But anyway, <laughs> I just thought I could help other people, I guess. Um, I was in my first psychology lecture and this guy was like heckling the lecturer. 
And I was like, this is so annoying. And I turned around. It was my best friend from primary school. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, Jordan, how are you? And um, he's, like, very funny and very – he'd been on campus for, like, a year at that point. So he knew everyone. And he's very gregarious and just the opposite of me. And so he was like, oh, I'm doing like a comedy show tonight. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. Okay, whatever. And went and I loved it. And just slowly Jordan like introduced me to like the comedy groups on campus. And like I tried improv for the first time. And um, I used to do the door for like the sketch show they do every week. And then we went out to an improv show that um, Jordan was performing in. And on the way home, he was hit by a car and died. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it was just the first time in my life, I think, you know, I mentioned that my brother died when I was quite young. So I didn't really have like the tool. I didn't really understand the concept of death or grief at that point. But this is the first time like someone I knew, like someone I saw a lot was just gone. And and it was a person I grew up with, you know. So it was like. Had, I guess he brought a lot of joy into your life at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, he was a lifeline to me on this campus and he'd introduced me to comedy and, and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he was just gone. Like I saw him, we left the bar, I went home and he was walking home and he just got hit by a car and it was just a freak accident. Yeah. I remember we all showed up the next day to uni and all just kind of sat there like talking about it. And it just was a thing of like, I just think I need to like stay with these people and keep working on this stuff. So we just kind of, I got more involved with like the comedy scene there. And then we all decided that we would go um, audition for raw comedy, this like big open mic yeah. thing. And I never, ever thought like I would go far in it at all. It was just a thing that I was doing because like my comedy friends are doing it. So I'll just do it. And then of all of us, I got to the national final, like just yeah. from that thing. And then I was like, well, I'm dropping out of uni and doing this. And then I just kind of followed that. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's so, I mean, when you like before Raw and all that kind of stuff, when you were going to these improv shows and that kind of stuff, were mm. you performing or were you watching? Very slowly I started okay. performing. So at first I was watching. And then I kind of got roped into helping on the door, like selling tickets. And then I kind of slowly got into like putting together props and costumes and things. And then it was like, oh, can you be in the background of this sketch? And then I ended up writing for this sketch group for a while. And then we wrote a sketch called, it was very, 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 uh, you know, on topic at the time. It was sure, very, sure. It was called the Lady Gaga, the Lady Haha of comedy. Uh, nice. You see, a new pop star had arrived <laughs> on the scene and her name, Lady Gaga. Sure. So what if Lady Gaga would be funny? Her name, Lady Haha. <laughs> Um, and I remember my favorite I, thing about this podcast is just comics comedians telling their original like first yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, and, the most dated yeah, stuff. It's, it's telling it through there. Just, just so you know, it was a product of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was basically like, um, basically, I went out on stage. I had a glittering cape covered in eyes, but I was just doing like Jerry Seinfeld level observational comedy. But that was just completely unrelatable. Yeah, like being yeah. like, what's the deal with traffic? I'm flying in with my invisible airplane. <laughs> And like people are, anyway, it was just very stupid and I was filled with terror and I don't really remember the performance of yeah. it, but I remember coming off stage and being like, well, I didn't die. Yeah. And then just kind of slowly writing more and more bits until finally it was like five minutes. And then I was like, well, I guess like all my friends are signing up for this competition, so I'll just go in it. Like off that first heat, I got booked at the comedy store for like a month, wow. which I, I kind of am glad I didn't realize the time. That's a huge deal. Well, like for those who don't know, the Comedy Store is the premier place for stand-ups mm. in Sydney. Mm, like, yeah, it's so hard to get into. You booked that off your first heat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, the booker at the store saw my set and was like, "Oh, you should come do this. Like, we've got a spot." Um, you got no idea because you're not from the comedy world. People yeah, work for like, years okay. to get on that stage. I know, yeah. and they were yeah. furious. Like, <laughs> Enough, honestly, if I was yeah. me, Lady I'd be ha, ha, big. Ha, this lady, with a glitter. But yeah, I know. Fair enough. Yeah. But I'm really glad I, I wasn't aware of what a big deal that would have been because yeah. I think I would have psyched myself out. But yeah, I did that for like four weeks. Also, at this point, I'm working at um, the aquarium, oh. making like twenty dollars an hour, and they were like, "Well, you get to do five minutes, and we'll give you fifty bucks." And I'm like, "Am I rich? <laughs> Am I rich?" The manatees. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, see ya, bitches. <laughs> so in that in that early phase, right? You've you've just entered comedy. Thanks, it's Jordan, isn't it? Your friend Jordan. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first thing, the first joke, the first thing you did that got a big laugh? Was there a moment? 
that you went, oh, hang on, I've got... Because you know, I know you're talking about you doing the costumes, you're behind the scene, but was there... I mean, was it Lady Ha-Ha? Was there a moment the light bulb yeah, goes off? Yeah, I think it was Lady Ha-Ha. <laughs> Lady Ha-Ha. Oh, That's my good. God. It was Lady Ha-Ha. It was the greatest thing anyone had ever seen. <laughs> yeah. um, but honestly, yeah, I guess I guess because I, I think at that point, you know, you're a young person, you don't really know... You're still testing the boundaries of like your own identity and who you are, and uh, from and as you have heard, I wasn't a very funny person until then. <laughs> and humor was to me like this magical thing that I couldn't understand, or like I I thought people who were funny were magic. Like yeah, I just yeah. couldn't understand it. And then from being around it, it became like less of a magic thing. I'm like, okay, so this is kind of like the beat of this joke and like the turn is here and this is the kind of delivery you want to do. Like, and it becomes less mystical and more real to you. So then, yeah, I don't know. I think also I was around like people that were really good at comedy. Like Michael Hing and I um, are best friends. We met when through like Jordan essentially and he was around and like steen raskopoulos who's like an amazing improviser and like he's in the uk now being famous oh he's over there he's on yeah. the uk ever heard of it um and just, <laughs> just like on a- it he's on top of the <laughs> he's uk on it. <laughs> yeah yeah he's on it man um <laughs> yeah but just like i was around a lot of very talented people and it, i don't know it was just like kind of this confluence of like circumstances where i was just like wow like it isn't that mystical to me, so I can just give it a go. But also, but, if it doesn't work, then that's fine. Like, I'll just go back to whatever it is. But do you think you demystifying it is also partly to due to you, like your childhood and how studious you are? And how you, you would obviously, it sounds like you would break things apart. You really study things, yeah. you understand yeah. stuff. So you went, I'm going to be competitive here. I'm going to understand comedy. I'm going to break it down into its bits, into its ebbs, its flows, the, how you perform, how you say jokes. Yeah. Do you think that? I think I thought I was a massive loser who didn't have anything to offer anymore because I had gone through that huge like breakdown yeah. because I mm. kind of thought I wasn't good enough to do um, classical music, which again, like it's so crazy to me. But at the time, like that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And so letting go of that dream, I was like, well, I guess I'll just be like a stagehand. I'll just, <laughs> I'll mop up the sweat after the big stars are on stage. Like, which is, you know, I was 21 and very dramatic and whatever. I it's all changed just, now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I'm the big star. Someone else is mopping up my sweat. Um, <laughs> this is so insane. I'm so sorry. It's such a f- this is today. good. No, this is good. Lo- honestly, oh we're, we're loving this. This is great. Do you, yeah. do you think the that humour... I don't want to take away from anything because your childhood does sound very traumatic. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that, but has humor helped you deal with that? Look at it in a different light? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like I think of myself as a positive nihilist in that, like I believe that life is ultimately meaningless and what we do here doesn't matter, but that doesn't mean like we don't do things that are good. Like we make joy out of that. Yeah. Like, because why not? Like, if you're filling a space with anything, it may be something, it should be something positive and it should be something that affects people positively. So that's how I kind of feel because I don't know. Also, I think as like a Maori woman, like death is so much a part of our culture. Yeah. Like around the time my brother died very soon after, I think it was like the next year or so, my grandma died and my great grandma died. So it meant I basically spent like a year at our marae, which is like our like traditional homeland just at funerals or like Mm. just preparing for mourning and like i kind of mentioned before like in a maori tangi is what they call it it's like the funeral kind of process the body lies in state in the middle of our marae which is like a essentially just a big room it can be like a community hall the body lies in state for up to like five days and you just the whole family comes around and everyone cooks and drinks and we play music that the person who's passed likes and we talk about them like they're still there because to us they still are there you know and i think it just made me very comfortable with the fact that all of this could be over at any point yeah and you know like when jordan passed like he was 20 21 maybe and it was just this thing of like uh, he was just gone like a person who was there was just gone suddenly and for a really long time after he died, I used to see him like around, I'd see him on the street or like around uni or whatever. And I was just like, I was convinced he wasn't gone. I don't know. So like from that, I think it's like you kind of get a feeling that the rules of life or things you've come to accept as like what life is or like what the rules around it are, aren't actually that solid or like your beliefs aren't that solid or your identity isn't solid and things could just change. Yeah. But because things can just change on a dime, like why not? 
take advantage of that or like why not be freed by that in a way that like if you hate your life you could literally just change it yeah i'm sounding very tony robbins <laughs> you can do anything like, you set your mind stop to. stop screaming and pointing at me I know. <laughs> but i think it, but it's just that thing it's like but i think it's just a thing like life is is very fragile yeah. so it is like I don't know. We can literally do whatever we want. So did it. that play a part then in choosing comedy? Yeah. Because you were like, I, I can, think so. Especially losing Jordan and being like, well, I can. Losing Jordan, I think also like letting go of like my childhood dream and, yeah. you know, facing what I felt was a huge failure in my life. Um, I think that kind of, yeah, it definitely felt, made me feel free because I was like, there's literally nothing to lose. When you're writing jokes now, how often are you going back to those times, picking moments from those times and delivering them in a comedic way now, or if at all? I used to do it a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and also I think I just like, mental health wise, I probably was just not doing great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also, it was also like the comedy of the time was very like confessional and like a lot of like festival show comedy was like, I tried to kill myself, but then I didn't. Here's my dick. Like, <laughs> oh, so you've seen Matt O'Kine, yeah, so yeah, stand yeah. up. Yeah, he tried to suck his own dick. I get yeah. it. <laughs> if I had one, I'd be trying to do that too. Yeah, so you've heard this show before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Big fan of the podcast. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, and it helped me in a lot of ways um, to process that stuff. But then I also think as I've grown older, I realize that I don't necessarily want to only connect with people through their worst traumas. And I, yeah. I used to find it was very nice and I feel very like uh, happy that people felt comfortable doing this with me. But like I would leave a show and I a girl would come up to me after a show. I found this happened a lot. And they'd like hug me crying and being like, oh my God, like I just want you to know like you stopped me from killing myself. And like, and it was just like, that's, That's really so amazing, yeah. like and like very nice, but also like I'm a f- head, like yeah, I'm yeah. just like some little but idiot. Also that's, like if your mental health isn't in a good place at that time, that is a it's a lot to take on someone else's totally like emotional. And also, you don't want to write comedy for other people's mental health journey. Yeah, that's not the job. Like the job is to make people laugh. Yeah. I also just think, yeah, like I... Escapism from that. Yeah. And I I also just think I'm not good at that type of comedy. And there are definitely comedians who are. Like, let's look at what Hannah Gadsby's done with like... Perfect example. Exactly. And there are just some people who have the craft to do that. And, you know, like I I am 13 years in or whatever, even though I'm 16 years old, which is crazy. (laughs) I know. You started so young. I know. It's crazy. She was was actually playing the double bass in the womb. In in utero. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Your mum had a huge wound. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> what the f- was I saying? Oh yeah, just like I've been doing it for 13 years, but I really only feel like I'm, I've been good at it for maybe five. Well, okay. So when I said, one thing I've found so far, and we've only done mm. a few of them, is this sort of two moments we find. The, the one p- time where someone funny really has that big first laugh and they're yep. like, I can mm. do this. The second one is when they can do this full time, when yeah. it does become a career. So when, mm. you know, you, you've booked the comedy store with Lady Ha Ha. Mm. <laughs> That is it. That is honestly that is it. That is the pinnacle. If you can get a photo, we'd love to put that up on the socials. Thankfully, I don't think it was. Oh. It's kind of around that time where like camera phones weren't really, really yeah. like it was just for the rich. It's a, producer Grace really good on Canva, so don't worry oh, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can give you an illustration. <laughs> <laughs> so you you've got fifty dollars now. You know the the, the aquarium's twenty dollars. When yeah. do you think it it actually became from that moment? How long was it until you were like, oh, I can I can do this full time. This is my job now. Probably like I did like a sh- uh, mm, I well I quit my job. I think still living at home with. On the couch? No, I was living with a boyfriend at the time and he was very, very good to me and I was not good to him um, because, like, he was basically paying for everything and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go tour regional New South Wales for three weeks. Is that you and his impression of you? Yeah. <laughs> My voice unbroken at that point. <laughs> I love when Jen does her own no, self. Yeah. No, and I was talking and I was like... <laughs> 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 anyway, so Jen like, doing Jen. Yeah. I like. I was. Try, I've been trying to write this joke about how, like, when you hear someone talk about your ex, uh, talk about their ex, 
you can tell how a breakup went from how they imitate their ex. Yes. Yeah. Whether like if they are kind of like, and my ex is kind of like, yeah, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be there. And, or if they're like, and my ex is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> then you kind of get a read on how it went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I did that in the show the other night. I was like, no, you know, my ex was just, it didn't end well. Um, so yeah, how, how long was it till, like how many years had gone until... Was Gosh. it a short time frame? Was it? I think it was probably like five or six years. Yep. yep. The other thing is, and we kind of touched on it a joking way, but you know, I, I do feel like I kind of lucked into a lot of things that people in comedy wanted. Or what am I trying to say? I think I lucked into a position in comedy that I probably didn't quite deserve at the beginning, or maybe I just thought I didn't deserve. Yeah. yeah. And people would tell me I didn't deserve, mm. and so that also messes a lot with your self-worth. Mm. Um, and also, you know, I hate to me a girl who plays the gender card, but, um, you know, I started coming in 2010. Like, yeah. it was not a great time for women in the culture. Yeah. And I was explaining this actually to a young comic the other night because I kind of mentioned this to him. He's only been in comedy for like three or four years and he was like, oh, but was it that hard for women in comedy? Because like now I see, you know, women are everywhere and like I see all these young female comics getting all these spots and I'm like, yeah, but like that's the last five years, like post Me Too, even like Amy Schumer having a TV show, that yeah. changed comedy lineups from only having one woman on to having two women on, which is like, I know it doesn't sound huge, but like at that stage... We, that we was can actually, massive. Steve, we can have two two women on? Two I think women. More, I, think we can, I think we can do that. Like I, I used to work at this radio station and for a while um, there was a rule on, not while I was there, but there was a rule <laughs> that you couldn't play two female vocal songs one after the other because they were worried it would turn audiences off. Like that's the culture oh back God. then. And like that's just in the, like the culture. Is they sh- don't have that anymore. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Put Ed Sheeran in after pink. Put yeah, Ed yeah. after pink. <laughs> but, um. But, you know, it was just like this thing of uh, the culture has changed so much in the last 10 years. So when I started and I was doing these like really rough gigs, and again, I think it was because I was so naive and I was just like, sure, I'll play underneath a TV playing the NRL grand final <laughs> and I'll do 20 minutes um, to next to a pool table. Um, that sounds like my dream because at that point I just had no idea, you yeah. know. So I think it was probably like 2015 uh, where I started feeling a bit more confident, I guess because I got like a radio job. And so that's obviously like a huge vote yeah. of confidence. I um, also got asked to tour with Reggie Watts while he was on his Australian tour. And um, he's like the band leader on the Late Late Show with James Corden. But yeah. I was a massive fan of his already because he was on Comedy Bang Bang, which was, is like such a cult comedy yeah. podcast. And he's part of like the LA alternative comedy scene. And... um. When he asked me, I was like, oh, my oh my God, like, you're a person. Like, you're an actual person on TV. Like, what the hell? And I just learned so much from touring from him because, we'll get, first of all, getting that tick of approval from a hero. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's always going to be massive. But And also getting to play these venues that otherwise I would never play, like, you know, opening at the Opera House on the concert hall stage massive. or, you know, just touring around the country. I'd never been to Perth before. I was like, I'm on a plane to Perth. <laughs> this is crazy. Someone's on there going, you don't deserve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's also the thing. It's like, you have that voice saying like, you don't deserve this. And then also as a woman, you have a lot of men around you being like, you don't deserve this. Mm. Or like such and such should be doing this and not you or comparing you to every other female comic. Um, yeah, so I think... Can I ask about Reggie? Because I, I love Reggie. And for yeah. those that don't know, he's, he's, a, he's a great comedian. He's also a phenomenally talented musician. Oh, yeah. um, unbelievable did musician. You, did you talk about... Did you play double bass? Did you play music with him? Did yeah. that come up? Well, back then I was still playing a bit of music in my stand-up sets. And that's yep. kind of how we bonded. Because basically we were both on the same Sydney Comedy Festival lineup for like a gala. And I'd accidentally just walked into his dressing room with my guitar. And I was oh, like, yeah, oh, accidentally. my... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I'm naked. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> I've dropped something. Um, she's doing an impression of herself. I'm a chameleon, okay? Yeah, I, don't I know love who that voice. I think you're a sweet old uh, British lady. That was sexy. No, that was yeah. sexy. Sexy, sexy, sexy baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I, I accidentally walked into his uh, 
dressing room, saw it was him, and mm. was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then uh, he was like, oh, hey, like, you have a guitar, like, show me. And just like, of course, he's a, pheno- as you said, yeah. phenomenally talented musician, could e- just easily play. <laughs> and so we just started chatting about that. And then he's just a very friendly and generous person. And so we just ended up hanging out that night. And then he was like, oh, I'm doing these solo shows in like six months. Do you want to like open for me? And I was like, you've just met me, dude. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) But he'd watched my spot and like really liked it. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, he's also just a true weirdo. Yeah. And also I think because he's American, he's very genuine. Like, he's Americans are so earnest. Yeah, yeah. unashamedly a weirdo. Totally. Yeah. And so I think because Sydney comedy at that point, it sounds so gross to be like talking about the scene, but, um, <laughs> you know, Australian comedy can tend to be quite cynical. And also there is that tall poppy, poppy thing senior, of like, yeah. you know, why did you get that? Uh, you don't deserve that, blah, blah, blah. So to then be around like an American, he's like, yeah, I deserve this. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve this too. Like, why are you being self-deprecating? Like, yeah. it's just such a cultural thing that we don't have. And I think at that point, I just needed someone to, like, big me up like that. Were there any female comics that you were, that, that you looked up to or that were able to mentor you during that kind of five-year period where you were growing as a comic? Yeah, absolutely. I will say, like, Hannah Gadsby did the smallest thing and it was so classy and cool, but it's, like, stayed with me. I was literally thinking about it on the way here where I got booked on Just for Laughs in Sydney, which was huge again. Yep. Everything at that moment was just, like, crazy. Yeah. And I got booked f- to play Just for Laughs in Sydney at the Opera House, and I had my own dressing room with my own name on it, wow. which, like, that had never happened to me before, and I was just like, crazy. Like, I took a photo was of it. Was it laminated? Like, yeah, no. It uh, was It was a piece. Yeah. <laughs> One day. She's like, this is a huge moment in my career. And, and then you're like, laminated. okay, Pavo. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> the, the list of um, bass players in the double bass yeah, department yeah. laminated? No. Oh. Pa- yeah, paper. Yeah. Paper haunts me. It's a trigger. <laughs> it's a trigger. And Sorry, thank anyway. you. And it's and it's good to talk about it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it brave. Is. Get it out. It's brave of me. So you walk into your unlaminated. Yeah. Unlaminated. Yeah. But, you know, my own dressing room. Yeah. Huge, huge. With my own drinks in it. Oh. Granted, it was just some Cokes. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Than and that. a little fruit platter. But like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, I'm making 20 bucks at the aquarium. Mm, yeah. That's like, I, I took all of those Cokes home. <laughs> Glass bottle cokes? Glass Are you kidding me? Get over to your boyfriend. Hey, babe. Huh? Yeah. yeah. I know I you pay for everything. I've made rent in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I got look, fruits. I got and this <laughs> old fruit. <laughs> and about six and a half glass bottles of coke. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, so I had this, and I just remember it. And then I uh, went and did my spot, and I came back, and there was a little note stuck to my sign, and it was from Hannah, who was doing a solo show in the next theater over. And she was like, "It's so good to see you here." And it was oh, like just wow. a little note, and I was just like, "Oh, just like to even be on her radar." Yeah. Was so cool. Like, had you met just, her? Had you met her before? Um, just like very briefly around comedy festival, but yeah. like I don't know. You just don't think. Yeah. Like I, in my mind, taking the like, time to go to your dressing room, right? Right, night and stick it up there. Yeah, I just that's thought it was huge. so cool. Like and so sweet, and um, you know, I got to meet Sarah Silverman, who's like oh, yeah. quite good friends with Reggie, and um, I absolutely like biffed it, like so embarrassing. Where I was like, I owe you so much. <laughs> And she's like, are you stealing material from me? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, no, nah, goodbye. And just like, um, no note from Sarah Silverman on her door. I know. Stop stealing my gear. Yeah. What's wrong with you, yeah. psycho? Who else? I mean, yeah, like Celia Pacola, yeah. such a legend. Hilarious. And so, And mm. I just admired what she did so much as well. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like the first kind of female comics that I saw, like, um, uh, Denise Richards. Yeah. Um, just like I remember doing an episode of the Dum Dum Club and she just happened to be the other guest. And I was like, this is crazy. You're the voice of the Myerads. <laughs> and you're just sitting here. And she was just like lovely and warm. And Funeral Auckland's like oh, yeah. just become like very motherly to me. We got very drunk on a, I mean, I shouldn't say that because she's sober. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got very drunk. <laughs> on a flight um, (laughs) with her and we just basically sketched out like a movie where she plays my mom and I was like that'd be so sick while you're on the plane yeah we Ah, were like let's just make a movie where you play my mom and we hate each other and that'd be fun I don't know yeah like yeah I don't know it's really weird like I are you finding it it is a better scene now I mean 
definitely that, yeah definitely and it makes me really happy that there are like young women coming through that like i don't know there are women only comedy nights in sydney that regularly get people coming (laughs) which like i couldn't imagine 10 years ago and then it's like a very diverse range of voices like different styles of comedy and um and it's not like you know anyone loses out it just seems like it gets bigger you know it's not like there's only one spot for a woman and it can only be one it's just like there's a lot now for everyone like everyone's creating their own spaces which i think is cool and i think it's something that like now i'm in this like second decade of my career I'm trying to figure out, like, what can I build for myself that I don't necessarily need to rely on other people yeah. to bring in? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's interesting. And I know very early on at the start of this, you were talking about how you used to love to write. Yeah. And you loved it. Do you still love to write? Is that still yeah. something that you love to do? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the dream is, like, uh, I've had, like, flirtations with, like, getting a pilot. And yeah. then I got, like, development money and things like that. Um, and then for a while, I was, like, writing a book. I don't know. I'm well, not a time, great... Time to die. That was... Yeah, time yeah, to die that's was right. a, um, a year ago. I didn't write on that one, but that was fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I used to write, like, plays and films and things like that, and I would like to go back in it. And that's kind of where I'm at at the moment is just, like, working on a few things that um, hopefully... I don't know. It's just, like, until a contract is signed and people show up on the first day, you can't really say is happening, but, like... That's the vibe I'm going for. Yeah, I always say it's not locked in until you're there and it's happening. Exactly. Until it's like literally out on TV or out at the movies. The amount of times we've been like, oh, so excited for something and then it it falls away. They're like, like, lock this in. We want this to happen. And then we're like, brilliant. It's going to happen. We're we're saying it's in the calendar. It's in the calendar. It's in the calendar. It's been pulled. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Someone else actually uh, had the same idea a day before you. So, and they have a lot. It was a day after, actually, but they have more followers. Exactly. Exactly. God yeah. damn They're you, annoying. Hamish and Andy, you freaks. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Golf. Um, how did your, how did you, you're talking about your family being like, um, you know, very uh, professors, you know, teach stuff like that. Yeah. How did they go with the move into comedy? Oh, it's so funny. My mom, I think, only stopped asking me when I was going to go back to uni five years ago. <laughs> and that was because I had a radio job and I was on the radio every day. But yeah, up yeah. until then, she was like, and she was just like, yeah, but go back and study music. Like, I'm like, that's not a stable profession <laughs> yeah, either. And she's like, no, but it's real, you know? Oh, it's, it's like real. a real... Yeah, I can see it. You have yeah. an instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think it's only been about five years that my parents are like, Did okay. They, yeah. So, uh, I mean, have they made it clear to you that they now accept this as your profession? Or is there still yes, a little bit of... Yeah. They accept it. I don't know if they like it. They accept it. Yeah, I don't know. And then now they do that thing where um they'll see, like... Uh, they'll watch like the project and they'll yeah. be like, why aren't you on the project? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's pretty complicated and you got to like do this. And I actually did some spots, but this kind of didn't work out this way. And my mom's like, well, you should just call them. Like, <laughs> just call them and let them know you want to do it. Unfortunately, our parents are the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. should go. Should be there. I'm like, well, we, we, we're doing okay. Mm. A few national shows. Totally. That's the thing. It's like, like, not in the project. No, what though, about yeah. when my old man, my old man, so I've been with my partner, we're engaged now, been together for seven years. Mm-hmm. He yeah. said to me and Jimmy and my partner at dinner, I've got it. I've solved it. For you and Jim, you're gonna your careers are gonna skyrocket. Mm. I'm like, great, Dad. What is it? And he goes, you just go on the Bachelor. Is it my partner <laughs> sitting there, sitting there? <laughs> and, and, she, and she goes, she goes, Mick. Yeah. And then he goes, well, you don't have to love them. You just gotta kiss them. <laughs> You gotta you kiss him a have bit. To love him, just kiss him a bit. Oh my god! Anyway, I'm in audition stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you don't seem like a complete piece of shit, though. So I don't know uh, if you'll get through. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> no, not everyone on the Bachelor's a piece of shit. Just ninety nine point nine. Do you have anyone from the that you know um, musical world, not, like not family, like friends? Are there still friends from that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's they're funny. Still, yeah, they're still in the music world. No, almost oh. none of them. So I mentioned my boyfriend who left and uh, was scattered by yo-yo. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> scattered by yo-yo. <laughs> that I don't know. It sounds like a hashtag to me. <laughs> hashtag scattered hashtag by you. Scattered by yo-yo <laughs> happens, baby. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, a lot of my friends, it's like a very common thing. They all burnt out same way I did either like a couple years into their career or around the same time because you just put as a teenager, people like this, everything you do is going to like impact the rest of your life forever. And yeah, so we all catch up and have like cocktails and stuff like that and just talk about how psycho our teachers were and how 
odd it is to like look back on that part of our lives as if it was like the single motivating thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I did really want to ask you this as well because just the way that you've painted this picture of how you started under so much pressure to to be a musician and mm. then the way that you fell into comedy. It, mm. I mean, it's such a cool story. But for people listening now, and we don't ask this to everybody, but I just feel like it'd be a cool question for you to answer. Yeah. For people listening now, be they upcoming comics wanting to give it a go or even thinking about changing something that they've done their whole life. Maybe yeah. they're a, a brickie and they want to become a chef. Best piece of advice for those people. What do you think they should be doing? Uh, how should they be directing their thoughts, their oh, energy? Have something really tragic happen to you. That <laughs> helps. I'll say if uh, if you can, comedy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if you can have someone die close to you, maybe a couple people die close to you, that will help. That helps. Yeah. Um, if you can't have comes that, back to the shoot up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you need one. help yeah. with that, <laughs> dial this number. <laughs> Jen Fricker on Instagram. Oh, boy. Like <laughs> um, I'll say that everything that is in your life can go away at any point, and that used to fill me with great anxiety. Like I had a severe anxiety. I still do have severe anxiety about that. But then also knowing that that can happen, do everything, like take that knowledge and then do the thing. You know what I mean? Because ultimately if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Yeah. Because you can then just move on to something else. But if you keep going, I don't know. It's not a very succinct way to put it. What am I trying to say? I think you've said it. I think Mm. you've said it over the last 50 minutes. I think you've said it. Yeah. I really think you have. I guess, yeah. It's just like you can literally do whatever you want. Yeah. Not um, crime. I mean, you can do crimes. You can do crime. But just be the best at it. Yeah. Like, just throw yourself in wholeheartedly to whatever you want to do, whether it be comedy or some kind of cocaine ring. (laughs) I hung out with my friend who had just recently come out of jail (laughs) for being a high-end drug dealer who is now doing comedy. And I'll introduce you to him. Okay, great. Uh, For the comedy. For the comedy, For the comedy. He doesn't deal anymore. Of course he says that, mate. He's going to jail. Yeah. (laughs) But it's really like you can, if you want to do it, throw yourself in passionately to the point where you are scared you'll drown in it. Yeah. And if you do drown in it, that's fine because you won't actually drown. Like, you'll just come up and someone will find your body. I don't know. <laughs> this is a very unwieldy metaphor. I f***ing <laughs> love it. I, I'll be honest. I love out, of the, it. out of the four we've done so far, mm. y- your chat has been my favourite oh, because there is something really beautiful in your life story. You know, the, the tragedy that you mm. face by losing people close to you. Yeah. Also, you know, I think so many people can resonate throwing themselves into something, whatever it is, at a young age and being mm. like, and having people around you going, this is it, you have to do this, and if you don't do it, it's all over. Yeah. And for you to come on here on this podcast and talk about how you you just walked, you know, you went away from that. And that would have been so incredibly hard and all you knew and you're you're having success. Yeah. And we've been lucky enough to chat to you before and, and you know, we've we've seen Jen outside. She's just wonderful. Aww, she's, you're nice. You nice. Really, honestly, you really, from the moment you walked in and, and we said this before, we were, uh, when we're coming up with guests and who we want to be on this podcast and stuff, you were absolutely the top of the list. Oh, thank and you. Yeah. I didn't even, we didn't even know this story. And yeah. I think there were so many people that will listen to this and take something out of it. It's just like, you know, it is a weird comedian thing of like, you don't want to talk about like earnest shit because it's not your job. Like your job is to be like, bubba da boop up. Mm. And like, I, and that's what I do. I do bubba da boop up every yeah. day. But it is a job though. It is a job. There is a performance yeah. element to what we do. We stand yeah. up and we perform. When, you know, I think when Matt O'Kine talked about, you know, losing his mum at a young age, that mm. was a huge part in developing his comedy. I don't, I think, you know, part of this podcast is sharing those stories well, as well. Yeah. Like, Jen, as you're telling a story, you're like, it's weird. I've never said this stuff out totally. loud before. Well, it's like it's it's weird to try and make meaning from your own life because like in the moment you're not thinking like, well, this is going to be a wonderful learning curve for me later on. Is that Jen on. doing her voice again? Yeah. Is yeah, that Jen doing Jen? I'm doing the Morgan Freeman narration in my own head. <laughs> One day you'll look on this and you'll think this is the moment everything changed. Um, it's not a great impression. No. <laughs> I, I like well, sexy that's Jen. Why I'm not... Um, <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, my friend died, but you're looking hot, babe. I don't know. Anyway, I oh. guess what I'm trying to say is like, if I think a motivating fear for everyone is fear of loss, whether that be, you know, a person or your job or your identity or your friends, right? Because 
in that loss, you're losing control, but also it's a fear of judgment. Like, oh, I, I lost this job and now my friends don't think I'm cool or whatever. I don't know. But for me, once you go through that and then you get through the other side and maybe you shed those friends, you know, and that's a grief that you feel or you, you lose a job or you whatever, then you're like still alive and you're like, okay, well, time to like get on with it, I guess. I don't know. It's mm. not very healthy. I wish there was some beautiful <laughs> little metaphor I could give you, but I, I just think it's just like you just kind of have to stay around. Yeah, I don't think it needs. I think I think you've painted the perfect picture. I think oh. the the way I think the way you've said it is is much more powerful than a a, a metaphor delivered four or five times. Yeah, mm. yeah. You can fail at something you don't want to do, so yeah. why don't you go do what you want to do? Yeah, you can fail something that you're really great at, yeah. and everyone tells you the best at, and then you can still that can still go. Absolutely. So you may as well just do it anyway. Just have. Have really? a bloody Australian go. <laughs> have a real go at it. That'll be the podcast title. <laughs> Jed have, 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 have a go at it. Jed go. That's the name of the podcast. Jen Fricker, we love you to bits. I mean, I guess after all that, what do we reckon, Jim? Uh, Jen was Fricker. not born funny. Not no, born funny. Not, no, not born funny. <laughs> not born funny. Not born funny. Oh. But hey, but hey, if anyone deserved it or does deserve it, you do. Thank Absolutely. You. <laughs> we'll laminate a piece of paper for you next time you're here. Good on oh you. Oh my Jim. gosh. Thanks, guys. Oh hey, you're still here. Well, you must have liked this then. I may as well give you a sneak peek for next week. It's another funny person. Hello, I'm Cal Wilson. Who gave us stuff like this. And my dad uh, is very good at telling you a story that you've already heard 700 times before. <laughs> and even when you go, oh, yeah, I know this one, Dad. It's about the ping pong ball in the science lab. We'll go, yes, it was. And what happened? And then you just go back into the stories. More from them next week. See you then. Listener.